You know, Nathan, I think of this podcast like a family. It's like a family that we've created. Okay. You and me are mama and papa, and all eight of our listeners yeah. are our little children who we all love equally. Yeah. I I there's a few that I that I wouldn't mind putting up for adoption, but <laughs> making fun of my laughs. Well, there's always gonna be one bad seed, right? Yeah, that's true. There's always gonna be one that you're kinda getting out of rehab all the time. Yep. One little they... Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's that's all about what our, our show today is focusing on is uh, the family that you make, even if you go to highly illegal lengths to do it. Because today, mm. we're talking about the movie A Little Piece of Heaven that debuted <laughs> Monday, December 2nd, 1991 on NBC. It stars Kirk Cameron from Growing Pains, Cloris Leachman from Mary Tyler Moore, and Jesse Smollett from the news. And <laughs> Oh, and don't forget. Yeah. Lacey Chabert. Chabert from, from Mean from Girls. Hallmark. And Hallmark. And, and Hallmark? The store? Yeah, she's, she's all she's all uh, Christmas movies now. Oh, Mean Girls didn't uh, let her dine out on that forever, huh? That's right. Now she's falling in love with a prince or whatever they do on Hallmark movies. Uh-huh. Now, you, you said this movie, the way you said the title of this movie, it really should be said like a little piece of heaven. Why but is that? Because it sh- it, this is a horror movie. <laughs> like this is this is like this is uh, it should be, you know, tonight on ABC, a little piece of heaven. But instead, he tried to create heaven and it turned into hell. <laughs> but the way that that that's advertised and the way it plays is. A little piece of heaven. <laughs> I don't know if we have covered a movie that I think deserves to be put in jail so thoroughly. <laughs> this movie is, let me just say to the listeners, I know sometimes you think, what better way to experience a movie than through Zachariah Nathan? Because, of course, mm-hmm. you are listening to Network Special, hosted by me, Zachariah, and my co-host, who? Uh, me, Nathan. And uh, producer Jeremy is gone this week. So when the cat's away, the mice will play. And they love to watch Uh, Kirk Cameron movies when they play. Oh, boy. And you're listening to Network Special, the only podcast you need if you want to hear about appointment-based television, that golden era when you had to watch what was on, when it was on. But now, thanks to the magic of the Internet, you can watch these things again and again. Um, And let me say... If you are a fan of uh, uh, bad or baffling movies, you may want to watch this first because we're going to be spoiling the twists and turns. <laughs> and let me tell you, listener, this host did not anticipate the twists and turns that happen in this movie because <laughs> this movie is insane. So when you look at the VHS cover, it's it's like a... It's like a real big, it's a big picture of Kirk Cameron's, you know, uh, juicy, supple Kirk Cameron. (laughs) And, and then, you know, this little family he's raising of like ragtag, you know, orphans is what it looks like. And it just says, you know, sometimes heaven can be found on earth. And 
when we get to what actually happens, <laughs> you'll 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 have wished that you had watched this. Now, do we even need to tell people that this is brought to you by the last word in entertainment, BWE Entertainment? Because oh, everyone knows BWE. Everyone knows BWE. That is the entertainment company that when their logo comes up, there's a little rotating computer sign that says no sex, drugs, or violence in the corner. <laughs> uh, this is available to watch on YouTube if you want to watch it. And it comes from the VHS rip, which I was delighted by because you get to see all the other offerings that BWE Entertainment brings to you. Uh, and the very beginning, they they actually tell you all about the movie and they, they spoil the whole movie in the very beginning. <laughs> there is a trailer that, yeah, it, it's it's somebody pitching the movie. <laughs> that you've already owned, that you already own. That you're about to watch. They explain the whole thing to you. <laughs> this is obviously a promotion. I mean, there is like, I forgot that during it, there is a thing that says for promotional view only you know yeah this is like a uh you know you maybe you'd send this to like a rental shop or something but it it it, it is definitely interesting to advertise the movie that you're watching within the same tape well of course they had to say it because they trumpet at the very beginning that this is the recipient of a christopher award this movie and what is that christopher rufo or something (laughs) no it's (laughs) I'm glad you know that name. <laughs> I I had to look it up because I was not familiar with the Christopher Award because when they show you the Christopher Award, it looks like something that somebody's uh, middle schooler put together very quickly in an art class. But it is from the 1940s, I want to say. It's a faith-based award for okay. clean entertainment or, or great, uh, exceptional faith leadership of course rudy giuliani won it in 2002 so the (laughs) legacy continues now what's interesting is that this uh movie it it has no morals that are (laughs) that are that are worth you know um getting an award over yeah there's no way that this um that god is shining down on the people in this universe um no one gets what they deserve in this there's no justice there's just it's a constant this this i don't know why a won a christian award well it's like how my relatives are with donald trump they like it because (laughs) there's a lot of prayer mentioned (laughs) yeah yeah, I know. It's, it's like if you if you ever want to know what it's like, uh, if you ever want to know why there's a Christian music or movie industry, it's because it, it, it all that it needs is a whiff of Christianity in it yeah. for it to be a blockbuster hit. I realized watching this movie that the idea of prayer is such a gift to a screenwriter. Because the person can just talk out loud about what the plot is or what their motivation is. And you can just say they're praying. God, I really want this to go well. Because if I want that $5,000, I have to sneak into this room and blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, you can really tell don't show when you're just praying out loud. Oh, this was nominated for an Emmy. 
uh, was it like best lighting or something like that? Outstanding individual achievement in music composition for a miniseries or a special. Wow. Definitely this, not televised. This, this No way this is televised. This music was uh, – usually the music sticks in my brain somewhat. No, this is a This, this is, is a nothing. Waste. <laughs> yeah. This is this is useless music. I'm actually surprised this was not library music because it just sounds like they're alternating from whimsical to inspirational. Yeah, like, this is yeah, library music. <laughs> and also a, a young artist award, Lacey Chabert. Um, sorry, I don't know how she says her name. I think that's she, right. She was nominated for a young artist award. Hmm. Best young actress under ten. In a television movie. God, what is it like at the Children Awards? Not the Nickelodeon <laughs> Awards, but like the Child Actor Awards. Yeah, oh. imagine imagine that um, you are... <laughs> it's an award show filled with tons of kids, but no slime <laughs> and no pop stars. Like just the most boring, no Kevin James <laughs> running around. <laughs> Uh, boy, oh boy. So, uh, shall, shall we get into it? Did you want to Let's talk? Have we talked Cameron yet? I can't believe we have not had a Kirk Cameron appearance well, on there, this there show has, yet. There has to be like a um, Growing Pains reunion or something, right? Oh, I guess there was the reunion. There were two Growing Pain reunion movies. Right. But, and they were... They were um, specials? Yeah, they were specials in like 2000, I want to say like 2002 or something like that. So we could do those. No thanks. So Kirk (laughs) Cameron really... um... (laughs) What to say? Kirk Cameron was a teen heartthrob on Growing Pains. And at some point, after a couple seasons deep into Growing Pains... Which I think was the case, which happens on a lot of sitcoms, where I think the parents were supposed to be the stars of the show, and then the young, hottest son actor just explodes in popularity. And suddenly, it's the Kirk Cameron program. And Kirk Cameron knows it, and I guess he was just uh, a terror on set. But then he became a holy terror because he became a born-again <laughs> Christian, and suddenly he had notes on every single script on what people oh. could or couldn't do or couldn't say. And I, I've just kind of heard vaguely that he drove the cast and crew crazy. Like he was a little a little power-crazed, holy dictator. And um, after that, he, and he has said, like, I was a little too intense while we were filming the show, and I guess he kind of feels bad about the level of intensity he was at but ever since then he is the preeminent christian movie actor would you say that that's true is it him and the guy who played hercules on tv um oh Zor- sorbo kevin sorbo yeah sorbo um yeah i mean i don't i actually don't know i i've seen him and like uh corbin bernson or whoever whatever that guy's name is in in um more christian movies and i think i have seen him but he is certainly um one of the big dogs 
you know, for like Fireproof and the Left Behind. I think the Left Behind movies. And yeah, he did the whole he's, Left he's Behind def- trilogy. He did Saving Christmas. Remember that? Oh yeah, he's definitely a person who is like at the forefront of, of like. I don't know if I would say Christian entertainment, but definitely like people who think of Christian celebrities. He's at he's at in the top list. Right, because he also. Uh, he has some uh, ministry that he co-runs with somebody. He's a speaker at PragerU. He uh, stumped for Trump. He is like the movie guy. Hey, you can get to come out to any conservative cause. Oh, he had the whole run where he would debate atheists and prove the existence uh, of God. Yeah. But you like, hold like up a banana. A banana. <laughs> yes. The atheist nightmare. Nathan. Yeah. A banana. It's- well, I'm not an atheist, and it's it is still terrifies me. <laughs> Bananas chill you to their core, to your core, to my core. Yeah, especially frozen ones, like you ma- literally. <laughs> You're an idiot. So that movie, Fireproof. I I remembered it when I was reading his his bio, and I went like, Oh, right, that's the movie about the firefighter that likes porn too much or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's something that is what it's about. It's he. Kevin, uh, Kirk Cameron plays a firefighter, uh, Caleb, (laughs) Caleb, Caleb, uh, and his wife, Catherine have a rocky marriage because he is addicted to online porn. What I didn't realize was that this movie is basically a hour and a half long infomercial for a book called Love Dare. Which is a 40 day marriage challenge where you write down like 40 great things about your spouse in a day, which you would think you could do with a blank book, but this is for Love Dare. So it's just like made to sell these Love Dare books. This movie cost $500,000 to make. How much do you think it pulled in? I mean, we all want to laugh and act like it didn't do, but I know this was a huge. I, I'm pretty sure this was huge, wasn't it? Thirty-three point five million dollars. Yeah, this is this was a huge movie, and a lot. Of, let's see, forty percent of the opening weekend was pre-sales. Churches yes. who bought tickets to this movie and sold out theaters sight unseen, and would yes. just go see this movie as a church. That, that is evil. <laughs> Yes, I think that actually, um, I don't know if that's the first one to do that, but I remember a trend following that movie of churches like going on these trips to see the movie and also um, like getting to play those these movies at your church. Well, Passion of the Christ, I think, was the big granddaddy. But were there pre-sales? I think for they that. were just like you could pre-book like whole showings. Okay. By the way, I'm looking, and um, he has been in plenty of TV movies. Um, oh, I know he has. That yes. was because he did two big release movies. He did like Father Like Son with Dudley Moore, which did well, and then he yes. did another movie that like tanked, and then that was pretty much it. I think people realized. Oh, this guy has like one gear in acting, which is egotistical smug kid. 
But but I mean, he did a bunch of TV movies before he was on Growing Pains. Oh, okay. So we have lots Great. of lots of stuff. He had one called Starflight, the plane that couldn't land. <laughs> or also known as Airport 85. Not as good a title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. ABC Sunday Night starring, uh, starring Lee Majors. So definitely going to hop onto this. Star train, power. Cameron train. <laughs> He's in Beyond Witch Mountain too. I saw that. Is that yeah, the so third Witch Mountain movie? Um, there's actually a lot of Witch Mountains, aren't there? There's yes. like a recent one with The Rock. Yes, that was an early Rock movie when he was one, trying to like figure out what two. he was doing. Yeah, this is the third one, and then there's there's five total. God. Yeah. I'm amazed that's not a Disney Plus series. Well, the fourth one was it looks like may have been a remake because it's the same name as the first one. That was the one with the rock, right? Escape to Witch Mountain in nineteen ninety five is not the one with the rock. Oh. That was actually on T V. So we can watch that one, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh oh, my blessings ra- keep increasing. Uh, Two thousand nine Race to Witch Mountain is the one. Mm-hmm. Um but it's also uh, there's, I'm looking now. It's related to something called the Blair Witch Mountain Project, which is a comedy short. What? Uh, par- uh, satirizing the Blair Witch Project and Escape to Witch Mountain. Wow, that's a very accessible parody for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to YouTube that later. See what goes, what's going down there. <laughs> I can't wait to see all my favorite characters from uh, Witch Mountain. <laughs> In a scrape with the witch. <laughs> Play, played by all of, like, the other Wayans brothers. Yeah. <laughs> See them all sweating and swearing inside a tent with a single light. <laughs> well, our laughter will have to, to go on hold because we need to talk about a little piece of heaven. <laughs> Did, were, were there any of the movies, real quick, that, that you saw in the beginning of the um you know the things that were being advertised or any there that you wanted to are you talking about the lineup of movies called clever kids spelled with two k's yeah that bwe entertainment offers and yes and speaking of yes and yes did i just and. suggest a scene uh-huh and an occupation <laughs> uh the Hoboken chicken emergency, which we mentioned in our last episode, is one of the clever kids. Don't you think I didn't notice? I'm excited. That's got to be our. We got to go on to a clever kids. We got to have a clever kids like run, the, yeah. run, yeah. <laughs> the clever kids uh, series. It 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 really screamed homeschool entertainment to me, and I was mm. homeschooled, so I should know. But it's just. Movies that, as they promised at the beginning, have no sex, drugs, or violence, so everyone can buy them with no no fear in their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, they are live-action movies from all different parts of the world. There's one from Scotland, one from England, one from Canada, and they all look like they cost about $500 to make. Mm-hmm. And they all have a really like a tagline that could be from a movie made in the 1930s or the 1980s just kind of nothing too new nothing yeah. that's going to upset anybody like 
there's there's villains throwing garbage in the lake. <laughs> and the adventure boys are going to get to the bottom of it with messy results. Like, that's every tagline for these movies. The, these are like... Like, so we do a lot of TV movies made in America. And... Um, and their quality ranges, right? But yeah. but there is a level of, I think there is a level of standard that you see in all of these. But when you watch a Sunday night movie, say from like England or something, it's a very different standard. Let, let, me, let me put it this way. <laughs> these movies all look like the town decided... They wanted to make a movie, so they all put their money together, and they hired a camera person, and they got a couple people from the local playhouse, and they made a little movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. It's all in the town square. Everything takes place in the town square. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Look, there's there's Jim's store. There's Jim's store in the background. (laughs) Oh, time for my Oscar. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, Jim. <laughs> uh, Scene. That's also kind of how I felt about this movie where there were moments watching it where I was going, is this supposed to take place in the 50s? Yeah, because <laughs> people's actions and motivations and technology seemed about 30 years behind the 80s, which I guess is when this is supposed to be happening, or 91, sorry. Close yeah, enough. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, well, it's a little vague, but I think I think it's really just more country-style country living, which is a slower yeah, pace. You know that. True. It's a s- slower kind of, a slower kind of America. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, there, they don't, they don't need all this kind of new technology to, you know, feed their pigs and stuff. Yeah. A lazy, lazy you know. lips. Yeah. Lazy you know. lips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, this movie is not lazy when it comes to giving you all the characters and all their motivations right mm-hmm. up front in the first minute. Cause we start off in a graveyard. Yeah. We learn that, um, in this family, uh, mom is dead. It is her gravestone. Yes. Uh, Kirk Cameron is a being of pure light and he is perfect and nothing he ever does is wrong and he is selfless and he does nothing that isn't for the family and he just plain loves the pig farm that he grew up on. He doesn't want to go to college. He just wants to stay on that pig farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, his dad is uh, Jesus, part two. His dad yeah. is another being of holiness and light. Mm-hmm. And his sister Violet is mentally disabled. Yes, um, and it's another case of vague mentally disabled. Where uh, I'm guessing, in the parlance of the day, they would have said that she was retarded. But that, it is that's what they that's what they mentioned. They even say in the movie what what we would have said back in the day was that they do, but they don't reference her as that. Well, so I know what I, you mean, but it's not quite the way that she's playing it. She's just like she's just doing every 
actor tick of playing a slow person that you would have played in that era. Thank God Tropic Thunder got made. Thank God Simple Jack knocked this out of everybody because this actor um, who, who is she? Jennifer it's, Roberts or something. Jenny 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 Robertson um, now still working and the wife of uh, Tom Lennon from Reno Nine One One. Yes, that's right. Um, she just portrays this character as rocking back and forth, and sometimes she acts like she's eight, and sometimes she acts like she's a teenager. And every single line she says, she says, like, if you've ever heard a person who has a very pronounced stutter, where it's kind of like their words are yeah. fighting, they go like, why does that have to happen? Right. Which I'm guessing she's doing that because she met a person who had that kind of like speech impediment. Yeah. However, when you're playing a fictional character... <laughs> And you know that all of your lines are going to take double the time to say. Uh, Maybe that's a choice you don't want to make with every line reading. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's tough to, we, when you know someone isn't that way. Yeah. It's tough to listen tough to, to defend. Also yeah. tough to defend the lines that are written to her, which could have been like, you know, slow people say the darndest things, you know, like. <laughs> People say a man, and she says a woman. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's a moment in this where she tells someone that she fell down the steps. Yeah. And that is why her mom, her mom thinks that's why she, her, what she says is why my age got stuck. <laughs> which is which is their line for it. So it sounds like she had some kind of head trauma when she was a little kid and that is what led to this yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's where that's where it comes that's that's the, the origin story again it is that screenwriting trick where you get away with anything by keeping it vague mm -hmm. um yeah yeah invent a disease and the person can die in the most beautiful way possible, if you if you need them to. Uh, so, yeah, like, like you said, they all live in the country. They live on a pig farm. Kirk they all Cameron. had the the parents had their kids when they were seventy. <laughs> that dad is very old, or he's just has farmer face, I guess, from yeah. being in the sun all day. He's actually thirty six. <laughs> uh, Kirk Cameron was adopted. Mm -hmm. Um. You show their home life, which is just like uh, what what conservatives want every home to look like, which is mm -hmm. the dad reading uh, the history of the Punic Wars out loud <laughs> to his daughter while she's on an exercise bicycle. This daughter also is like has Wes Anderson disease where she has all these adorable quirks. Like she sticks her saddle shoes on the handlebars of her exercise bicycle and pedals. And Kirk Cameron is, uh, gotta be up in the morning for his chores. What are those shoes called? Saddle shoes. Saddle shoes. Okay. Yeah. They're what Bert wears on Sesame street. Yeah. Um, uh, they all go to the Haskin house, which is the, 
house that holds all the orphans, which is where Kirk Cameron was adopted from, uh, which is run by uh, Cloris Leachman, the caretaker. Mm-hmm. Flo, isn't that her name? Oh. Ed. Her name's Edwina, and everyone calls Edwina. her Ed. Okay. I thought and you were saying she was in a show where she played like, the character named She Flo. was not in <laughs> Flo. No. I was like, wait a second, what? <laughs> I was like, just like, my mind was racing. <laughs> Um, and Cloris Leachman, all of her orphans are perfectly behaved. They all, again, this is a very time flexible movie where the, the little girls are in like long nightgowns and everyone kind of looks like Holly Hobby a little bit. Not Yeah. The, the orphanage is, the orphanage is just like someone's grandma's house. Yes. And they just, there's no like state, there's no like state building that holds all the kids they're just like oh just send it to uh ed's house well uh, it turns out there is a state place and according to clarice leachman the place is pardon her french a hellhole because they're gonna get a new kid uh sent their way and this kid is gonna have to go straight from ed's little beautific walton's style establishment to a Raskin facility? Did I have that right? I listened to it three times, and I, she kept saying Raskin. I think she said Raskin facility, and they never clarified what it was. It's just you don't want to go there. I, I don't know if it's like a horrible orphanage or a jail or or what it is. It but. must be. It must just be the state. You know, like it's not a private one like this one is. It's state owned. It's, you know, government bad kind of stuff. Like you don't want to go to this place because they won't care about you like we do here in this this down home country. Yeah, it's maybe for troubled youths because this kid has been in and out of detention centers and bouncing around and he's a little rebel. Um, So they're concerned about that because that doesn't sound good. And they go home and the next thing you know, it wouldn't you know it, the dad dies and we cut to the funeral where the priest <laughs> the priest is by the graveside giving the most uh uncomforting speech i can possibly think of the ba- he's <laughs> he's basically saying like i thought life was fair until cecil died and he's now like, i don't know i used wh- to believe in god <laughs> oh, he comes right up to saying like you know, I thought that God controlled everything, but now that Cecil is dead, well, I just don't know. And then he takes his frock off and, <laughs> and, and looks at it like, and he just shakes his head. Uh, and then I guess even though Kirk Cameron is, if he's not 18, he's under 18 from all the dialogue. And his sister is 20, but she seems kind of stuck in being uh, six. Yeah, I guess they just live on this pig farm now, and they they do everything themselves. Even though it's very clear that Violet, the sister, can't really help with chores because it's just not in her toolbox that she can have the maturity to do that. So, I yeah. guess the state doesn't intervene when you're around eighteen and you graduated high school. You just live in this massive farmhouse and barn and fields by yourself i i don't understand farming i don't understand farming at all like, oh i can explain how, it to you <laughs> <laughs> how anyone makes any money how anything <laughs> happens like like i i, I thought I, I thought like i kind of thought at one point i was like oh 
oh, okay, well, it's just an economy I don't understand. Like, oh, oh, oh you just cook, cook all your own food. You pay your rent. You, you know, you, you sell your groceries. <laughs> and then you, you, you know, then you start over. But yeah. it's like, even when I, then when I found out how it really works, which is, you're just living. The government by this, gives you subsidies. Yeah, like you basically you have to go to the bank and get loans, so that you can actually afford to start your growing every year, and then with the with the the not with the hope that you will make enough money to pay back the loan. So basically, like that's the goal every year is just to pay back what you owe. Yeah, it's indentured servitude. <laughs> I mean, way back when. Everyone was a farmer, unless you were the president or, you know, a, a high-level banker or something like that. Yeah. I think about that often because I think about how terrible I would be at it. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I would be the what? farmer everyone would, would whisper about as being that that sloth, the Durr farm. Yeah. <laughs> Can't yeah. do anything right. He's got a little patch of radishes <laughs> that he keeps going, and that's it. Every time, every time we go through the uh, living with the land ride, mm. at um, glad we brought it to Epcot. Yeah, yep, at Epcot. I'm always okay. like, you get to the little idyllic um, farm scene. I'm always like, oh, that looks so awesome. That would be so awesome to live on this farmhouse, and you just get up at three in the morning, <laughs> shovel horse shit, <laughs> and then go to bed. Yeah. Sounds yeah. great. I mean, maybe all? you uh, wake up at three in the morning and you smoke a corn cob pipe to have some time to yourself. Yeah, right. So it's time to go thresh the chickens at four in the morning. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> Wilson, who I will call Kirk Cameron because I can't be bothered to remember his name is Wilson. Willie, Willie, isn't it Willie? Wait. People call him Wilson. Wait, so Wilson? I always think of him like a little beach ball from Castaway. I thought it was like Willie Lomax or something. Or is that Bernie's? Willie Loman is a death of a salesman. <laughs> okay. Wait, <laughs> wait, what's Bernie's last name? Lomax? Is Bernie Lomax? Is that it? And we can have Bernie's? I have to admit, I don't know Bernie's last name. I'm really sorry. I'm falling down on the job, just like Bernie. Well, you know, you, I'll, t- I'll tell you what you always tell me. Well, you know, you can look it up. On well, I'm the one who doesn't care. <laughs> there's like a special magical box, I think. I wish there was. Yeah, it's Bernie Lomax. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> you followed your own advice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it, uh, things may be fine for Kirk Cameron, but Violet wants to go visit Mama and Papa in heaven. <laughs> But they can't. We see Halloween go by. We see Thanksgiving go by. But at Christmas, well, maybe they need a little Christmas miracle. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I should mention that they go out uh, medication shopping <laughs> for for Violet to get her sedatives. And yeah. Kirk Cameron sees a little doe-eyed girl uh, and her mother in the drugstore. Played store. by. Well, it's Lacey Chabert. Yes. <laughs> at age five or whatever. And um, she wants a princess calendar. The mom yells at her that she's not getting it. And then she rips the calendar in half, which then you have to pay for the calendar. You're in the store. <laughs> you should have got it for her. Yeah. So you not, yeah you've really proven your point and uh, 
wasting money at the same time. Yeah. And then uh, hits Belzer across the face, and Kirk Cameron doesn't like that at all. He can't believe what he's seeing. I guess he's never been to a Walmart. <laughs> he's never been to my house. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's just half calendars torn all over your living room. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, we're, we, we, we never can get an appointment, right? <laughs> uh, they go visit Hamlin House because Kirk Cameron kind of works as like uh, a handyman. He fix, he says, uh, he fixes the squeaks in the bed, which is the <laughs> grossest way to say that, you know, not to be uh, immature about it, but come on. <laughs> I don't care for that. Um, There is a very odd character in in this, which is it's it's so it's the orphanage that Cloris Leachman runs. Oh, you're saying that the orphanage is like its own character in this? It's like New York City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is a young woman, uh, the the blonde woman with the glasses, who is there to see to the transfer of Jesse Smollett whenever he comes in to go to the state-run home. The woman yeah. is playing this character like she has a massive crush on Kirk Cameron. Yeah. Right? I could... <laughs> so I right. thought, oh, this character is going to come back later and he's, she's going to like help out or, or they'll, they'll get together or something like that. Well, right. put a pin in that idea. Because Kirk Cameron, when he learns that Jesse Smollett, who is the, the troubled kid who's coming in to be transferred, uh, is coming in that night... He goes into the kids' private files, figures out his weight, and then gives a puts a dose of sedatives into a brownie. <laughs> and then he puts this brownie on the bed of where Jesse Smollett is going to sleep that night. And what does he put on the brownie? He puts a big note that says, Don't tell. <laughs> The idea being that he is knocking this kid out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's doing all this to to help this kid escape, I guess, the state orphanage, but also because Violet wants an, a sibling. So he's going to get her a brother. He watches this news report the night before. Ugh. Where there's a guy saying that kids are being raped and murdered by the by the million every two hours, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and the and the news reporter says uh, we need to regulate this somehow or something like that, and then he gets this idea in his head like I got to do something about this, right? So that night he goes to the orphanage, breaks a window in the chicken coop, so all the chickens fly out. All of the children, all of the orphans run out of the building to go catch chickens. And he goes upstairs to get the knocked out Jesse Smollett out of his bed. And when he draws the covers back, we have a great line from Kirk Cameron that I cannot believe is not an animated gif somewhere. Where he draws the covers back and he goes, (laughs) you're black. He's yeah. Does he say that you're black or he? Yeah. He says you're black. 
Now he he does. They do clarify this statement because you don't. Yeah. You don't know what his ultimate goal is, but he says. Um, it's fine that you're black, but I was just telling everyone you're my cousin. Yeah, yeah. He goes. I mean, I mean, that's fine. Like, yeah. He's like having a conversation with this drugged up kid. Okay, so Kirk Cameron takes this knocked out kid to the house. The kid wakes up, understandably upset. Uh, And how does he wake up? Uh, Like he just like he comes, he comes into the kitchen. He's just like, hey, man, what's up, man? I'm a street youth, man. What's going on, man? (laughs) It's like, I ain't got none of that. They wrote him. I, I would. It's tremble so to see this script in the way that they've written his lines out. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere. And it's got, he's from conservatives favorite punching bag, Chicago, the streets of Chicago. Yeah. And he is just, I ain't Scott Snow's kinds of things to say <laughs> about yous, man. So it's like, He's like he's one step away from like a fat Albert like <laughs> villain, you know, like <laughs> Well also the first thing he asks is where are my shoes? No Kirk no Cameron didn't pick Wait. Yes, it is. I, I thought it was where are my car where's my cards? But, That's okay. the next thing he asks about it okay. are his baseball cards. But <laughs> Kirk Cameron didn't take his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> he carried them out. Well don't worry. Kirk Cameron knows exactly what to tell this kid, which is he tells him that he died. He died in a fire. Jesse Smollett is dead. He died in a fire at the orphanage, and now he's in heaven. To be fair, to be fair, he did initially just try to make it be a normal thing where he's supposed to be here. But the kid asked too many questions for so one he... <laughs> second. Yeah. That was the, one second that he did kid, not say that the kid asked way too many questions, which is one question. Yeah. And he who are you? The story. Yeah. He asked, where am I? And who are you? And Kirk was like, Oh, oh Mr. Questions over here. <laughs> you died, kid. You're dead. Which this kid really takes it in stride. Yeah. Well, I, he, he you he's think skeptical. He'd be more upset. He's well. You're right. He he's not like. Uh, I think it's because he's skeptical. That he's not like. Oh no, I died. Sure, he's not skeptical enough. Not enough. I but he does throughout throughout this whole thing. He does kind of say, "Wait a second. What about this? What about that?" Like he is like, "Oh, it's it's really funny how." Hey Kirk man. Cameron... Hey man. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny how Kirk Cameron has to come up with new lies to this child to keep him trapped on this farmland. Oh, Kirk Cameron also puts the phone and the television in the basement and locks mm-hmm. it up, so this kid cannot see anything of the outside world. I mean, this is full cult leader kidnapping stuff. I mean, to be fair, kids are being raped and murdered by the million every two hours. Is this the worst thing? Does he need to see that kind of news? Well, I'll tell you who it's not great for is the uh, Cloris Leachman and the poor woman who was in charge for the night 
who are going to absolute pieces about this child who's gone missing. Uh, and Clarice Leachman is talking to a police officer about Jesse Smollett going missing. And she says, hey, uh, I know it wasn't right of me, but I called the <laughs> FBI and I impersonated you. And I said I was a police officer and I told them it was a kidnapping. And instead of, um, you know, being arrested for impersonating a police officer and the rest of the movie is her in court, the police officer just goes, oh, Ed, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> One thing Jesse Smollett does question is uh, he says, if I'm in heaven, where's Martin Luther King? I know he's up here. And I'm not kidding. I was deathly afraid that. Kirk Cameron was going to dress up as Martin Luther King for a minute and like stand far away, like a nightmare alley kind of thing where he's just like waving at him from the back lot of the farm. <laughs> I have a dream. All right. See ya. Yeah. He, he, he also asks where are all the other black people? Right. Yeah. And, and then Kirk Cameron says, asks, uh, we're in heaven. <laughs> he asks some good questions. He does. Yeah. Like, these are great. These are the questions I ask often when I go to the church. That yeah. I go to like, where are all the black people? How come no one's – I mean, there's plenty of Martin Luther King talk, but only just specific quotes. The ones where we don't see color are yeah. the ones that really get trotted out. Yeah, where where – where is Martin Luther King in this in, in all of this? <laughs> well, Violet, the sister, nothing's good enough for her. She wanted a little sister, not a little brother. Mm-hmm. She Plus, wanted a tea party. Yeah, she wants to play with her dollies. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what else can Kirk Cameron do? Based on the one altercation he saw with this girl's mother... He goes to the house of the little girl who was slapped at the drugstore dressed as an angel, like chicken wire fence wings. He has a halo on. He has tinsel around his neck. Um, goes to this little girl's house, throws T-bone steaks at the dogs so they won't bark. And he throws a pebble at one of the windows of the house. How does he know which window is the little girl's room this family he has apparently never seen before he's <laughs> he's uh and also earlier he had he had it's funny because and maybe this is a nod to what they said but um just jesse smollett's character says you know how come there's no how come there's no hey where's my halo where's my wings and he says oh that's all just fairy tale stuff and then he dresses up this way and i wonder if that's like a like a oh where he gets the idea is to dress up like this thing they were right. just talking about cut cut to him being dressed as a christmas pageant angel yeah <laughs> so the little they girl also complain he also complained jesse also complains about the the food the dinner that they make for them and mm. they bring out a meatloaf and tell me if, i don't know if this is strange to you <laughs> But they he they, there's a meatloaf and he says I hope this meatloaf ain't rare man. And have you ever had a rare meatloaf? I've never had a rare meatloaf unless it's supposed to be him digging at the sister. Like I hope she's smart enough to bake this all the way through. 
Well, he, no, no, because because <laughs> yeah, Kirk Cameron says no. Sh- we always cook our meatloaf's medium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like he, he like there's no. This is just a normal conversation. It's not like he's like. No, it's cooked. It's cooked okay. Don't worry. I think it's that's what passes Maybe. for yeah. wit in this movie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's uh, a joke. That's like a, <laughs> like a witty banter. Uh, so the little girl opens the window. I know she's supposed to look like tired or abused, but she looks like Wednesday Adams because they have all of this dark makeup around her eyes. Yeah. And this little girl has the biggest eyes in history. Her face is like 60% eyeball. <laughs> she climbs out of the window Kirk Cameron then says Hi, I'm an angel because you died Your appendix burst and it killed you I'm here to take you to heaven <laughs> And then she leaves with him And when they drive to the house He's put Christmas lights on the house And he has a big sign and lights that says heaven <laughs> And this, this girl guy is has, fine is, with it Never asks any questions This is... 100% a like I mean this is what QAnon is so worried about <laughs> no <laughs> this is everything but once again it's always the people who they are on their side are the ones who are getting in trouble for this stuff <laughs> uh, I after this point my notes get sort of vague until nearer to the end because now it's an FBI agent comes who looks like a discount Peter Boyle and Cloris Leachman doesn't want Kirk Cameron getting in trouble. So she's just doling out these little crumbs of information about where these missing kidnapped children might be because <laughs> she doesn't want him to get in trouble. And Kirk Cameron uh, pulling the facade that these kids are in uh heaven and uh there's oh there's a girl who comes over who's the next door neighbor who oh, is crushing who is this girl oh it's kirk cameron's real life wife <laughs> chelsea noble that's right i wonder now this might not be true but it feels like it might be true i wonder if the woman who plays the assistant to Cloris Leachman, the blonde mm-hmm. woman. I was like, wouldn't it make more sense if she came around the house and then they suddenly like had a romance blossom and she realized that these kids were better off and she tried to help him. I'm wondering if Kirk Cameron and his brand new wife, if Kirk said like, I will do this movie, but my wife needs to be in it. Because so he, this neighbor girl just appears like she has been summoned from nothing. So he always has a he always has a rule in a movie that if he kisses someone, it has to be his wife. So, like, what happens is is right. that like if he if 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 it, if it would have been just the blonde woman, then they would have put a blonde wig on his wife, and he would have kissed her. You know, so that he doesn't have to kiss someone right. who, who's not his wife, um, which is fine. I don't care about that. Um, but he um, – it does seem, though – it do, like, if, if you look at it one way, it does seem like you're like, okay, they wrote this movie where Kirk falls in love with the social worker or whatever. Yeah. But 
then he signs on to the movie and they're like oh, okay we need it can't we can't have a smoking hot social worker <laughs> so let's just have his wife and that'll be his love interest and it'll be a neighbor or something but also but there is there is a point to it because but also that social worker is smoking hot they just put glasses on her so she's yeah, supposed to be well, mousy well it's because they haven't you know no one's made a bet to see if they can make her hot yet <laughs> So, you know, she's still in pre-bet form. Right. But I'm saying, like, they do need someone to run away with him to help him yes, with yes. the kids. And it can't be the social worker, I don't I don't think. Even though it could be. She could be, like, like they could have figured out a way to write that. And that would have been interesting. But. Well. It at we least are. wouldn't just be this woman who is there for no reason who's just like life she's been traumatized by Kirk Cameron by feeling like because of her negligence this child went missing <laughs> i know and they're like even like she's even like look tell, telling the fbi look i'll i'll come down to the station whatever you need if if i'm going to be the one that takes the fall for this i'll i'll right. take it and of course uh the the princess the little girl the little moppet girl chelsea uh no, sorry, Lacey Shivers' mother doesn't deserve to have her as a daughter because she apparently yelled at her. <laughs> or she's well, a bad they show, person. They show one other scene. They show one other scene where they, the FBI agent questions her and she's being like, really like, who cares kind of a thing. Well, and she's smoking. <laughs> yeah, she is smoking. That's bad. Some parents smoking a cigarette. They don't deserve a kid. Mm-hmm. Look, things happen. They're, they waste some time. <laughs> and... Finally, finally, they figure out that Kirk Cameron has abducted these children and is, is holding them psychological prisoner and is gaslighting them. <laughs> so uh, they all jump in the family camper and drive off. The FBI comes and uh, pulls apart the home, finds Cameron's prints match on everything. For some reason, Cloris Leachman is also always with them, even though she has impeded this investigation at every turn, she needs to be there to go like, this isn't like Wilson to do this. Did you happen to notice one of the background FBI guys? I swore it was John Stamos. Mm, Did you no, see I didn't. him? He has no. one line. And he really overacts it. Like he really background actors it up. And I was like, that has to be John Stamos. And is he just uncredited? So this guy, uh, he has what's his, this guy's name? I just had him up. So you did find him. It just wasn't. Look up Roger Lodge. Roger Lodge, who plays Roger FBI Lodge? agent. You mean Raj Lodge? Raj Lodge, who does host a sports show called Rogers Lodge. Um, <laughs> he has played John Stamos's brother in tons of sitcoms. Okay, I see him. He's in Full House. He's in a bunch of other stuff but he's basically dined out for years in his acting career by looking a lot like john stamos well good for him good for him man hey good for him (laughs) if i could look like the smartest most talented man in hollywood i'd be taking advantage of it too (laughs) so eventually they run out of gas in the camper and they all go into one motel room and uh (sighs) In the glove compartment of the camper 
is a letter that Kirk Cameron's birth mother wrote him. Yes. And he has his brand new girlfriend of two days read the letter out loud to him. Um, and it comes out that his birth mother was 13 years old and blind. And so she gave him <laughs> up for right. adoption. So and obviously she was, say it with me now, raped just like the rest of the children every two hours. She talks about how there was some boy in town who wanted to marry her, but they wouldn't let him because she was 13 and blind. And uh, there's <laughs> a... yeah, I don't, I don't, I'd like to know what their definition of boy is. <laughs> there, there's a great quote in the letter that says, um, I, I'm, I'm 13. I'm blind. I'm glad I'm blind because I can't see you. And the girls who have had babies say that once they saw their baby, they hated giving them up for adoption. Mm. Total blind person talk. That is definitely how they talk about being blind. They talk about it like <laughs> a horrific disease that they wish they could wipe off their face. <laughs> um. And right at the end of the letter, it's like, love your mom. And then they hear the FBI megaphone outside. They have the motel surrounded. There are guns trained on the room. And uh, Kirk Cameron says, like, I have to give myself up. Smash cut to him in the middle of the conversation with the little girl saying, okay, and this isn't heaven. And no one here is dead. And there's no such thing as good angels and bad angels. <laughs> it's like a comedy cut. Um, but you know what, Nathan? They all grew together as a family, so they all go outside with their uh, their hands raised to have the police bring them all in. I mean this 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 movie, like his character is so disgusting. Like at one point, he says that that the girl who's come over, mm. that his, his new she, girlfriend. Yeah, that she has measles or or something, or that she may be a spy. <laughs> oh, he tells he tells the girl that she can't come into the house because all my cousins have measles, and he tells the children that his new girlfriend is in fact a bad angel who is sent yeah. <laughs> into heaven to spy on them, the good angels. <laughs> Theologically, it gets a little shaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we cut to the end where they are not in a courtroom. They're like in a judge's living room, I guess. Yeah, like after you get big office. Usually, when you get arrested for kidnapping, <laughs> you go to the judge's house. They don't do like a jury trial. They don't do. You just go into the back office, and the judge puts his feet up on the desk, and he just says, "Look, what's going on here?" Well, they cut right to the sentencing. This judge starts his sentence right, right. away. Um, and everyone's there. Cloris Leachman is there. All the children are there with Kirk Cameron, just like how in any trial you bring everyone, especially the children who are the victims of the kidnapping, you bring them mm -hmm. in to watch the trial. Yeah, because if there's anyone who can get those kids to tell the truth, it's their <laughs> kidnapper. Uh, the judge starts to read his verdict. He says, I sentence you, Wilson Loomis, to... And then Jesse Smollett goes, Your Honor, can I say something? 
And uh, he goes, he's a little weird and he's strange, but he's a proper homeboy. <laughs> hey, hey, yo, my main man, judgy boy. <laughs> Let me speak on this right quick. Let me rap to you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and now, okay, I just want to clarify real quick. We are not doing the voice, stereotypical voices of black people. We are making fun. <laughs> this is a disclaimer. <laughs> this is, yes, we are, we are making fun of the white people who wrote this script because they have no idea how a black ch- child from Chicago would actually talk. <laughs> and we are quoting most of the time. Yes. We are quoting exactly what is in this script that they had this child say. Yes. Uh, he, so he defends Wilson. The little girl defends Wilson. And by the way, these are not like teenagers defending him. These are six-year-old children. Saying, like, he made us a family. And then the sister goes, Mama and Papa are dead, but he makes a good Papa. And the judge goes, like, I, all right, well, I hereby sentence you to running the Cecil Loomis Home for Children out of your home. These are your children now. You have your own little orphanage at this pig farm. This is exactly this is exactly what church justice is for church <laughs> leaders who abuse their power. It's like, okay, you're uh, well, you can't be a pastor here, um, so we'll just give you another church somewhere else to pastor, and then you can come back in a year. Uh, so yeah, apparently these kids are gonna now live with Kirk Cameron. Um, the Cloris Leachman is going to look in on him once a month. (laughs) And we're left with seeing Christmas Day where all the kids are in the hay bales in the barn looking at the Christmas pigs. Yes. And they're being tended to by a convicted kidnapper. And children. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, like... He has been sentenced, which means he has been accused and charged and um, also, like, convicted of being a kidnapper, which is what? Like a felony? Like, is that like a... Definitely. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know what the... Is there one higher than felony? Uh, I would think misdemeanors under felony. So, it's, I mean, he's, he's now a convicted felon. Now, in any state system, I assume that social workers are not allowed to be convicted felons as one of their qualifications. <laughs> so, oh, it's a, I'm wondering if it's a federal crime. <laughs> and yet this it's man a first, it is a first degree felony. So this man is a first degree felon. Oh, do you and, want to know what the prison sentence is? What? Minimum fifteen years to okay, lifetime. So, so here's plus the plus twenty thousand dollars in fines. If this guy was in Florida, he would not be able to legally vote. <laughs> right? 
right. and here he is running an orphanage mm-hmm. named after him basically named after his dad his dad i know but yeah <laughs> yeah and what would cecil say now <laughs> this man who was unimpeachable he'd say well done good and faithful servant I'm sure the children will process this trauma just fine. I like how you didn't see the mom of the little girl in this court hearing. Mm -mm, No. Even if you don't like your kid, I feel like you'd be mad somebody took them. (laughs) Yeah, because you could give them up for adoption. Right. Right. (laughs) There's no law that says you have to keep them. I've looked into this. Now, I, I, I'm not saying anything one way or the other. I'm just saying that Kirk Cameron has four adopted children in real life. Have mm-hmm. we made sure that there is no angel outfits in the basement <laughs> of the Cameron household? Has anyone checked this man's trunk? <laughs> For brownies and pills? has anyone hold on a second do you think uh, has anyone checked his bananas for pills (laughs) (laughs) well would you like to see what the atheist nightmare tastes like follow me (laughs) does he have any children that aren't adopted uh, let me see here. He has six children, four adopted. <sighs> wow. Miserable. Let's see. His adopted children were 96, 97, 98, and 2000, and his biological were 2001 and 2003. Oh, so he just wanted to dip his toe in the waters first. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice that he adopted these children. We're yes, not yes, saying yes. anything against that it's just uh oh boy i hope these kids are okay. well i'm sure these kids are okay in a certain extent they probably have a lot of money i saw a um a bumper sticker today that said it was a picture of a mom like a like line art of someone's head you know with like a american bandana on and it just said i'm just like any regular mother i'm just a regular mom trying not to raise any liberals now, I don't care who you are, that's funny. <laughs> that's the true atheist it looks like, nightmare. It looks like Kirk Cameron has not uh, fallen out of love with live performance as during COVID, he was going around doing, quote, maskless caroling with groups of his flock. And, you know, what better way to spread the love of Christ than with a little backwash of COVID as well. (laughs) That, of course, was with his flock from his ministry, The Way of the Master. Oh, that's right. Not at all creepy thing to call your group. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, Wom. Wom. (laughs) Yeah, that definitely doesn't sound cultish. Yeah. I'm looking over the other stuff he's doing right now. He also distributes uh, copies of Charles Darwin's 
origin of the species at college campuses with sections removed and his own footnotes put in. Oh, oh boy, this guy is... This guy is a little walking ego. Does it say annotated by Kirk Cameron on there? Or does it just say... Uh, this or does it say at the bottom this really is his book we promise he seems to be into tricking people because he also is one of the people who distributed those uh christian tracks that look like money he is yes he did that yeah and apparently the feds seized a ton of them because they were tired of people going in attempting to cash them in at banks <laughs> All those waitresses. <laughs> oh boy, a hundred dollar. Because on the inside it says, disappointed? Don't be. The good news is not far away. <laughs> oh, and you can take that to the bank. To the bank. <laughs> <laughs> well,. Uh, I don't know. How'd you feel about this one? I, 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 I watched it. I didn't like it. I watched it a little bit again. I didn't get all the way through it. And it wasn't as bad the second time for some reason. It was fine. But this movie is insane and wild. And <laughs> obviously the story's crazy. Uh, I'm giving this um, five and a half kidnappings out of ten. <laughs> Well, I'm giving this seven bananas because good the because it's totally bananas. <laughs> the totally bananas. The turns of this movie. I was expecting just some, to be totally bored by this and just knowing where every bit was going in the plot. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, did I not know what was going to happen. Which I always yeah. love. Mm-hmm. Twists and turns. Real M Night Shyamalan type of movie. I almost forgot to mention, because I am playing this without the sound and kind of watching it now, I did forget about one of my favorite lines, which is where Jesse Smollett is complaining about how he doesn't think there's a God because his prayers were never answered. And Kirk Cameron says, of course they were answered. God said no. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing to tell an abused, disadvantaged child with no parents. Yeah, (laughs) Look, kid. That's one of those great, like, um, youth pastory kind of yeah. things that everyone just goes like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's so great. And then you end up seeing it on memes and stuff like everywhere, you know. Yeah. It's the kind of stuff that that all of Job's friends told him <laughs> when he when he like lost his freaking you know, you got like boy. You know, he was like dying. He lost like all this, everything, his family, and then there's this guy show up. And there is like, you know, youth pastor quips. <laughs> and of course, if you want to read more of that uh, story, you can go to your local library and look at the Bible. Mm-hmm. At the Holy least Bible. before the liberals take it out. Oh, those loony liberals. <laughs> In Washing Loon would love to see this gone. Wait, Washing Loon? That's... Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Loon. I guess that's better than Loonington. <laughs> yeah. That's too confusing. Yeah. No, wa- All right. wa- of course, Washing Dumb is the thing that you would say. Oh, Washing Dumb. I like that one. Um, so thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. 
so sincere. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we would really appreciate it if you went to our social medias and websites, networkspecialpodcast.com, where you can subscribe on all your favorite things. Um, and we got Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. And uh, I, sorry lately if anyone's been following and I haven't been posting. Um, but I will be posting soon. <laughs> and again. <laughs> and that's the network special promise. No, 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 no. <laughs> I always have to say this. There is no promise. We've never promised anything. And that's the promise, and it's set in stone. No, and Nathan's word is as good as no, his no. bond. And it's not legally binding either. <laughs> so stop saying that. Stop posting that. <laughs> All right. And if, as always, if you love the kind of twists and turns that a little piece of heaven brought you, uh, try to make sense of the rundown of the Jesse Smollett court cases because they are <laughs> super confusing. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next week with a different thing. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>